Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today is the beginning of some really great conversations we want to have about a brand new resource that's coming out. But uh, the best way to to actually kick this off is an experience that you had uh, in a green room with a whole bunch of leaders that led to what we're going to talk about today. Do you want to start there? Yeah. So I began to dig on a particular topic, um, and it was prompted by a conversation in a green room right before a conference. I happened to be seated with 16 CEOs, all different industries, and I happen to be there, but we're all going to be speaking that day. But I decided to turn it into an instant informal focus group. So I asked them the question, do you all think that leading today is harder than it was when you first learned to lead? Mm. And I didn't know what I was going to hear, but every single person to the leader said, absolutely. Wow. One of them said 110%, you know, like they were not unsure about this. Yeah. And then I kind of reminded them, I said, well, you know, it's actually kind of weird that we'd say that because you'd think it'd be harder to lead back when you didn't know much about leadership. Yeah. But today we know more than ever, but it's harder than ever. So I thought, I want to start digging into, clearly this isn't just about knowledge and insight. We've all read plenty of books, heard plenty of TED Talks and podcasts. There must be something else going on. And that's what led to this whole idea of paradoxes. Yeah, I think it's uh, safe to say that leadership today is hard, right? It's just difficult. And it feels like there's so many different, so many more, rather, obstacles that we're facing, right? And and, uh, even before we had a global pandemic to work through, there were so many complex issues. And so recognizing that is one thing, but talking about how do we lead through it is a totally different one. Yeah, I was um, stunned by an article I read uh, called The Great CEO Exodus of 2020. Oh, wow. And it was right as the pandemic began. But I think this exodus actually started before the pandemic. So we can't just blame COVID for our troubles. But I mean, Andrew, it was the CEO of Disney stepped down, Bob Iger, the CEO of Hulu stepped down, the CEO of IBM stepped down, Harley Davidson, uh, Uber Eats. It just went on and on. It was dozens of Fortune 500 companies. So it was more than just a fluke, like, hey, yeah, yeah." and and I don't think they're writing notes to each other. Hey, let's all quit They all turned 65 this year. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So there's something in the air when it comes to leading today. And so listeners, I guess what I would say to you is you're feeling like, gosh, am I just, you know, not cut out for this? No, no, you, you probably are. It's just a very different season to be leading in. Absolutely. And you actually found some... Uh, statistics that found that yeah. it's not just CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. It's actually uh, in education yeah. is one area in which lots of leaders are wanting to leave as well. Yeah, the latest data from Education Week says that 42% of school principals uh, want to leave their position. Wow. They're, they're thinking about resigning. That's not that, 10%. Yeah, that's right. 42%. It's more than 4 out of 10. So um, if that were to happen, just think about the school districts across yeah, America. Yeah. If we all just decided to throw in the towel, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a pretty picture. Yeah. Well, this is a part of, I think, a, a trend, and you actually have a term for this um, that's appearing more and more and more when a leader is basically, they're leading, but they'd rather be leaving. That's yeah. a term we've talked yes. about before. Uh, it creates this uh, almost void. There might be physically there, yeah. but we're still missing something. Do you want to talk about that term? Yeah. Harvard Business Review started talking about this, and that got me digging some more. Uh, the term that's being tossed around in organizations today 
is absentee leadership. Mm. So there is a leader, but he or she may be physically there, but emotionally absent, yeah. physically there, but psychologically absent, just not engaged. Yeah. And then sometimes they're not there. They're physically just not they're there. They're golfing or whatever Yeah, it that's is. right, yeah. or, whatever, or avoiding at, at best. Yeah. So I do love this term, leading when you'd rather be leaving, because most of us would say, I had a year like that. Yeah. But um, absentee leadership... Um, well, let me just give you a, a, a survey results. A, a 2015 survey of 1,000 working adults showed that eight of the top nine complaints about leaders concerned behaviors that were absent. In other words, employees were most concerned about what their bosses didn't do, not what they did do. Interesting. Yeah, it really is. I wish he were or I wish she was. And clearly that can be idealistic. Maybe they just don't know that leaders can't be all things to all men. Yeah. But I think that's just, I mean... Nine out of ten. Yeah. That's too often organizations settle for a leader who does nothing because at least they did nothing wrong. I really think sometimes <laughs> we can just be satisfied. Well, he didn't do yeah. anything wrong today. Yeah. So let's let it alone. So absenteeism is is huge. Um, here's a story I just read um, that I thought was a great picture of what I'm talking about. Um, two senior, well-regarded faculty members called the provost at the university where they worked to complain about their dean because they said he wouldn't do anything. The provost responded by saying that he had a dean who was a drunk, a dean who was accused of sexual harassment, and a dean who was accused of misusing funds. But the law school dean never caused him any problems. So the provost said the faculty members would just have to deal with their dean. Isn't wow, that interesting? Yeah. So you see what he's saying. He's yeah. basically saying... Um, even an incompetent leader in, in the law school was suboptimal, but he was the lesser of two evils. Absolutely. We're I got so much stuff it. dealing with people who are actually doing something yeah. negative yeah. that I'd rather I'd rather stick with the guy who's not doing anything at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And so this, again, this is troubling. I, I, I just keep thinking about the, be, the beginning of my career. It was a different day. Literally, it was a different year. It was way yeah. many, many years ago. But the scenarios were just different. And, and in this episode, I think, Andrew, I'd just love to talk about what has changed and what can we do in response to those changes. Absolutely, yeah. So that's where I think we should go next. We've talked about what is happening, right? We've yeah. got absentee leadership. We've got people wanting to get out of their positions. We've got people actually leaving their positions. So what is it that's causing the change that requires us to shift our leadership? One of the things you talked about is the change in the people that we're leading. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, well, to be honest, um, you all know this, but I am human. And, uh, you know, we've all had days where we thought, it might be easier just to throw in the towel. Yeah. We don't have a plan. We don't have a better idea. We're pretty sure the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. But this throwing in the towel just feels nice. Napping yeah. feels yeah. good. Um, so I understand the no-show thing, that absentee leadership thing. But um, as I researched, I discovered five realities about the typical team member today. When I say typical, I don't mean smart or, or not smart. I just mean the average person that's coming on a team, at, yeah. on staff, mm -hmm. has five realities that are different than it was when I that first began to lead. Yeah. yeah. So the first one we all know is they come today with higher levels of education. Yeah. Um, each new generation has more schooling than previous generations before them. And often they feel they know more than their leader does, and they can play armchair quarterback. I have a yep. master's degree. Yep. I know about this. I took a class on this. Yep. And, and sometimes it's true, but sometimes the leader just feels like, gosh, I'm constantly being critiqued by an armchair quarterback. By a bunch of people who think they know better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So that's one. A second um, reality is I believe team members bring greater expectations than previous folks did. Now, here's the premise behind this. It's a psychological one. We all know we live in a day of greater options. Yeah. And psychologists tell us when there are more options, there tends to be greater expectation. You think certainly there should be a perfect boss. There should be a perfect tomato in the supermarket. There should be a perfect whatever. And so expectations uh, go up. People expect more and can be upset when managers don't meet those expectations. Andrew, you've heard me use this phrase before, but I think it's timely here. Conflict arises when there is a distance between expectations and reality. Yes, yes. So yes. the wider that gap, the more there tends to be yeah. this tension inside. And I think bosses, leaders feel this. This is the one that's most interesting because uh, a leader can experience the negative consequences of high expectations while still maintaining the same level of leadership yeah. that may have been celebrated yes. 10 or 15 years ago. That's right? correct. The only thing that's changed is not your level of competence, but rather the level of expectation on behalf of the people you're leading. Yeah, no doubt about it. So a third uh, reality is people bring a higher uh, sense of entitlement. It's true. Now, I, I, I know I probably sound like an old grumpy old man right now, <laughs> but research shows a growing amount of people, especially young people, are developing an entitlement complex. Studies on entitlement by the University of Hampshire found that youth scored 25% higher than people aged 40 to 60, and even higher than those who are older. But the truth is all people, not just those kids, all of us just have higher sense of entitlement. Andrew, I talked to a, an, a former employee who worked at um, Google, mm-hmm. and it's a very cool place to work. You've yeah. heard, I've heard. Yeah. But she said the expectations are so high. They have food stations everywhere. Uh-huh. And she said it was very common for, to hear people go, ah, oh, crab cakes again. And she's like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? But, you know, they, they were expecting, yeah. you know, something. Yep. Now, most workplaces wouldn't be complaining about crab cakes, but yeah. it's just funny how we get used to something and then we want we want more. Absolutely. I wish we could take the negative bias out of the word entitlement because it yeah. really is just a reality yeah, today, it's true. right? Yeah. It's not about good or bad. It just is like when you grow up getting stuff, mm-hmm. you walk into the next phase of life and you expect you're going to get stuff. Yeah. It's a natural human thing that develops as you grow up in the world you grow up in. So yeah. that's why we're experiencing it. No doubt. So here's a fourth reality that I spotted. Um, studies show folks come to work with higher levels of emotion. Yeah. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We've always had emotion, and emotions have always been expressed at some point somewhere. But um, when I began my career, the common uh, mantra was leave your personal problems at the door. I even yeah. heard that phrase. Yeah. Just get your work done, eight to five, you know. Yeah. I don't know why I needed to go into that twang. Get your work done. <laughs> but, um, we, you know, it was just that was the thing. Yeah. Today, the common phrase we hear is bring your whole selves to work. Yeah. And I actually think that's a good thing. We want, I do too. I want all of your heart and mind and soul. Yeah. But um, when you get the whole person, you get all kinds of yeah. maybe the tough weekend, the tough day, and we may have to push pause on the work because we're dealing with something. Yeah. And it's just a new reality. Absolutely. Not right or wrong. It's just new. Yeah. Well said. And then the last one that I spotted, um, people enter a job with greater levels of exposure. And mm. that's just due to the fact that information is everywhere. Yep. You can go on social media and read the dirt on anybody, especially leaders, maybe you, listener. Mm-hmm. They may have dirt on you. So it's just, um, just know that those five uh, were higher levels of education, expectation, entitlement, emotion, and exposure brings a sense to a leader. I just feel like I'm on the chopping block or 
I don't know, maybe the, the critique block all the time. Yeah. Well, as with uh, so many challenges that you and I have talked about on this podcast over the years, um, you've got a really cool set of recommendations for how to lead this. And the word that you're using here is paradoxes. Yeah. So I wonder if you could speak to that. Why do you think it is paradox, paradoxical leadership, yeah. to be exact, that we need? Well, okay, I'll try to make this short and clear for listeners. Um, I believe much of the changes that leaders need to make have little to do with um, strategy or products or services that they offer. I think it's social and emotional skills, which mm. shouldn't shock you listeners. We're always talking about those. Yeah. But leaders, I'm talking to you, not the students. Yeah. I believe there are paradoxes that we can practice socially and emotionally as we interface with team members that will reduce some of the, the, the conflict and tension that we feel. So it's your emotional intelligence and the growth in, in that EQ that really can um, can make a difference. So I interviewed um, or spoke with a CEO recently that kind of grieved this way. He said, gosh, he said, today I feel like I need to be a, a strategist, a cheerleader, a storyteller, a therapist, a futurist, a coach, and a motivational speaker, all in the one, you know? Yeah. And any given week, they might need that. Yeah. So paradoxes come in us realizing this is a need over here, but so is that. That yeah. is a need as well. Yep. How can I balance these two and uh, not be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but, but just be able to play into both and, and put people at ease that we're going to move forward? And, and it's because the way, maybe even the nuances that you're relaying to that, to the, that team member. Yeah. What I like about uh, approaching this sort of complex world with paradoxical leadership yeah. is that it's recognizing that the complexities of the world require us to acknowledge the fact that sometimes we're going to be juggling two realities that yeah. feel like they don't belong in the same job description, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of leaders out there who are going, I thought you wanted me to lead this thing, and but you say you want me over here comforting this employee. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, that, that feels like it doesn't go together. What the reality is, as our world gets more complex, the role of the leader be also becomes more complex. Yeah. So to say that paradoxical leadership is involved makes all the sense in the world when you really yeah. think about uh, what we're dealing with. Well, and I'm thinking right now, Andrew, when you look around our society, we live in an either-or world. Yeah. It's black or white. Totally You're left true. or right. Yeah. You're progressive or conservative. And I actually think the answer lies in the middle in many, many, many cases. Yeah. So um, let me just define what I mean by paradox. Yeah, and, I think that would be helpful. And then we can go into how does it play out in leadership. So define simply, a paradox is an incongruous proposition that when investigated proves to be well-founded and true. It looks like those two ironic realities cannot go together, but in fact, they, they do. Um, they coexist. Only after an examination does the irony seem to make sense. Mm. So I believe that uncommon leaders, the leaders I'm challenging our listeners to become here, cultivate the skills to embody ironic, even contradictory traits that usually aren't found together. Mm. Um, and and we'll, we'll talk some more ab about some of these, but... Um, the very first one that I put in this book, Andrew, is I think leaders need to be both confident and humble. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in another podcast. That's just, that seems to be, well, you're going to get one or the other. A very yeah. humble leader, yep. and you kind of question, are we even going to make it here? Or uh, or they're confident and maybe overconfident. So anyway, that's that's what I what I mean when I say, say paradox. Mm -hmm. 
That's so good. Well, you just mentioned one example. I think we should get into a couple. Yeah. Um, what's really great, actually, is the next two podcasts we're going to do are going to be doubling down on two of these paradoxes. Yeah. Um, but we thought, as a kicker, um, to sort of get us started, why don't you walk us through a yeah. couple of these and uh, kind of maybe give an example of what it might look like? Good. Okay. So I believe one of the paradoxes, uh, we have eight, uh, is this. I believe uncommon leaders embrace both visibility and invisibility. So there is a time, all leaders know, to be seen. I got to model the way. I need to set an example. I need to show up and not be that absentee leader. But there are also times, in fact, usually in time when leaders start reading the scenario and they go, I need to not show up yeah. so somebody else can step up. Yeah. Um, I like the way I just said that. I, li- I need to not show up so they could step somebody up. Somebody write that down. Yeah, right? that's right. Absolutely. So my example on this one, it was so vivid and it was so fun to put in the book, was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. From the late 50s through the mid-60s, he was clearly the visible leader of the civil rights movement. Delivering speeches and all Delivering speech, yeah. leading marches, yep. leading boycotts, getting thrown in prison 29 times. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah. Some of those times on purpose Yeah. because he was setting an example of, hey, we're going to pay the price mm-hmm. to make sure this thing goes. So brilliantly. Uh, in fact, I cite all kinds of vivid examples of how this leader said, I'm going to show you what I mean, not mm-hmm. just tell you what I mean. But then there were other times he said, I stopped showing up so that... Jesse Jackson or, you know, uh, John Lewis can step up as a young whippersnapper, which they were back in the 60s. John Lewis was that young man that actually spoke at the March on Washington, you know, the, the, the I Have a Dream speech day. He was one of the earlier speakers. And all I'm saying is, isn't that wise that King knew if I show up, they're just gonna be quiet. Yeah. Or they're just gonna, well, let Dr. King address this. Of course. Why wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Let Abraham Lincoln tell exactly, us what to do. Yeah. And so he knew I gotta not show up. Isn't that brilliant? Yes. I love the emotional security that he had. It wasn't mm-hmm. about his ego. It was about a cause that he knew would outlive him. Yeah. In fact, remember one of his last speeches, he said, I-, I may not get to the other side, but I've been to the mountaintop. This will go on after me. Yep. And it did. Yeah. But the point was visible, invisible. How do we know what to do? Well, that's a paradox that we gotta read before we lead. I love that. I love that. Give us another one. Okay. I believe uncommon leaders are both a teacher yeah. and a learner. I love that. Now, we we all tend to believe that, lifelong learners, but I tell you what, it's a rare bird that can actually practice both. Truth. So my, my case study on this one was Angela Arents, who back in 2006 took over at Burberry coat, so yeah. nice fashion, high-end fashion coat, plaid coat. Been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah for a long, long time, and, and the brand was in a decline. Mm. Well, she came in to pull them out of the decline, and she did because she knew a lot. She was a good leader, so she was a teacher, but her first step was to come in, meet, after she met with her executive team, to meet with the youngest team members. I love and that. And said, we need to re- reach your demographic. How will we do that? Yeah. They got a whiteboard out, and they started brainstorming. They came up with ideas. But I love the fact that Angela wasn't just coming in as a learner, although she was a learner. She didn't just come in as the teacher. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Now, here's what I love about her scenario. She turned conventional wisdom on its ear. Usually, you come in as a new CEO, meet with your executive team, brainstorm ideas, and then tell all the interns what to do. Yeah. Well, in in many ways, it was the opposite. Yeah. She met with those 20... In fact, she hired 20-somethings and said, please tell us. 
And you know, some of their ideas weren't good because they course. just had yeah. inexperience. But one of the ideas they came up with was the art of the trench. It was a new page on their website that they would allow users to post pictures of themselves in the Burberry coat. Yeah, how they had styled it that yeah. day or whatever. Yeah, and we do love to post pictures of ourselves, We don't do, we? yeah. So, I mean, it just took off. And, of yeah. course, the brand went up. She just new levels of, of, of revenue and, and success, but teacher learner was what she did. Wow. So my point on this one, of course, is leaders have to be teachers, but, uh, but there's always new discoveries to be made, and so they never stop the learning process yeah. along the way. And if we're being honest, as we get older and older and older, the learner part of that is getting harder and harder it and is. harder, right? Yeah. It just takes so much extra effort. And so the, the humility you have to have, even as a well-experienced, well-seasoned teacher, yeah. to tort- sort of take that hat off and put your learner hat on in front of less experienced, younger yeah. people is difficult. Uh, but the greatest leaders are the ones who can do it. Yeah, no doubt. All right, give us the third one. Well, I'll do one more here. Um, I believe uncommon leaders are both timely and timeless. Yeah. Now, if our listeners have been tuning in, we've used that phrase quite a bit. It's yep. one of our favorites around here. But it's two absolutely different skill sets. Yep. To be timely means I'm keeping up with what's happening with technology, innovation, ideas. We're on the cutting edge. And I think our teams need to see a leader. They go, well, she is on top of things. She yeah. knows what she's doing here. Absolutely. But we dare not, in our appetite for progress, leave behind those timeless values that we know we must hold on to to be a civilized nation. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I always think of my grandparents who ha- taught me discipline and honesty and so forth. Those will always be in vogue. Yep. Bosses will always want honest, honesty members. Yeah. So the timely and timeless thing is hard. And usually what you're going to find, listeners, you tend to lean toward one or the other. Yep. Uh, it's not that you can't be both, but, oh, I'm more cutting edge, and I'm not as, oh, I better reach back, or I'm much more of a learner than a teacher, or vice versa. But I think the art uh, and the success of this is the art of, of balancing both. I love that. I yeah. love that. Well, uh, as I mentioned over the next two podcasts, we're going to do two in addition to the three you just mentioned and actually dig really deep on a couple of yeah. those that we feel like uh, are going to be really great. Um, and, and I want to talk about this book that's coming yeah. out in just a minute, but I thought a fun way for us to close would be a little story that uh, I think you included in the book, if I'm correct. I, I did. I love this story. It's just a, a, a comedic story, but it so paints the picture of how it feels to lead today, knowing we're up against all of this uh, reality, what we just described. So um, it was a police academy. There was a lot of young recruits and cadets in the classroom, and it was final examination day. So the officer who was proctoring the exam decided to give a oral exam. Okay. So he stood in front of these cadets, men and women, and said, I'm going to paint a picture, a scenario of a, of a criminal scene, and I want you to tell me how you would most likely respond in that scenario. Well, I mean, he just described this absurd situation. Yeah. I mean, including a, a bank robbery off to the right with guns ablazing as the robbers come out, a fire hydrant spraying water everywhere, a person being mugged on the left side of the street, a wild car chase, and people screaming as they ran in every direction. It was nothing short of a crisis. Yeah. And each cadet, of course, was to offer what he or she felt they were going to do in response. The most honest answer came from a young man standing in the back. He just stood up and said these words, remove uniform, mingle with crowd. (laughs) 
which, which is exactly what I want to do certain days. I yep. just, can I take the badge off and just say, hey, what's yep. going on? Yep. Leaving when I'd rather be, or that's, leading when I'd rather be leaving. That's exactly yeah. right. And yeah. obviously that's not an option we can afford to take. So we're having fun, but can I just encourage you leaders listening? We've got to lead well, and I believe today that means juggling paradoxes on any given day with our team. Absolutely. Well, uh, if you're anything like me, you're eager to get your hands on this uh, resource right now, the book that Tim has finished and is coming out in November. In fact, it releases on November 2nd. It's called The Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership. Um, and obviously inside of it, he talks about eight key paradoxes uh, that we are going to have to unlock and start using if we want to lead in this very complex age. So Tim, I don't know if you want to say anything more about the book. Well, I'll just say a quick um, tidbit. Um, it's a book that's research-based, so I try to offer uh, stories, strategies, and steps to take. But I build it off of, off of a single case study in each chapter. So there's a man or a woman from the past or the present who is doing it well. We get to see a real person doing yeah. this, and then we break down how do they do it. So it's, it's, it was fun to write. I hope it's fun to read, but I do think it's going to differentiate good leaders from great ones. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, I cannot encourage you enough to go pick up this resource. So here's how it's going to work. The book is going to release on November 2nd, but I really want to encourage you, don't wait until then to go ahead and order it. In fact, pre-order it right now. When you do, you get a whole bunch of uh, additional resources that are really amazing. So let me read off some of these. Uh, when you pre-order the book, you get 10 micro-learning videos that overview each chapter in the book. Uh, you get a quiz for you to take to find out how, how well you're practicing these eight paradoxes. You get a sample chapter from the book, so you can go ahead and start reading it. Uh, there's a 22-minute video you're going to get of, of Dr. Elmore here talking about the book. And then we are also, for our people here at Growing Leaders, we're also going to send you another free resource. It's a brand new ebook we're putting out called Leading a Generation of Paradox. It talks about the paradoxes we face in leading today's students as well. So if you want to get all of those resources, head on over to timelmore.com slash book, and you can pre-order it there. That's timelmore.com slash book, and you'll be able to pre-order it there. We'd love for you to go ahead and do that, and that way you're going to go ahead and get all those resources I just mentioned right now. Uh, so that would be really awesome. Um, if, if you would like to rate this podcast, give us five stars. Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, we would love for you to do that. Uh, if you found this helpful, please share it with a friend. Pass it along to somebody that you know. If you'd like to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you've got ideas for this podcast, things you want us to talk about, people we should interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Tim, thank you so much for leading us today and for writing this book. You guys head on over to timelmore.com slash book and pick it up today. We will see you next time. Woo!